Hey, Geekscapists. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. And uh, we're sitting here with Dan Fogler. Surprise. You guys are getting a lot of Geekscapes these days. So (laughs) (laughs) tell your friends to subscribe. We had a huge reaction to the one earlier this week uh, with the boys, uh, Stephen Coletti and James Lafferty from One Tree Hill. I had never watched One Tree Hill, and the response to that episode was huge. So if you jumped on the show with that episode, Mm. I'm glad you're back. Uh, you guys probably know Dan Fogler most recently from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. But I remember know, uh, learning about Dan. Um, let's see. For sure, I went to see Balls of Fury. Okay. And I like Balls. I'm, I'm the guy, uh, the band is dead. I think, <laughs> I think Balls of Fury is fucking hilarious. But later that year, we were kind of starting Geekscape. We were doing Geekscape uh, more in 2007. And I remember going to Wizard World LA, and you had Moon Lake. Mm. Do you remember sitting at the booth at Archaea, like, like the Archaea booth? Yeah, yeah. Moon Lake? And I remember being like, dude, I should go up and talk to Dan Fogler. And I didn't. And a lot of my friends had art or had some work in that book. Yeah. And I was like, You're, he's sitting there, he's got his book, you should go up and do an interview. I didn't. The people that I chose to interview, at that convention, I went up to Mark Singer from the Beastmaster, <laughs> and I was like, well, hey, man. And I was like, hey, Mark, huge Beast set. I saw that movie a million times. <laughs> I did. Right? I love that movie. Yeah. So I just remember walking up and being like, hey, Mark, huge Beastmaster fan. Yeah. Can we do like a 10-minute interview for my podcast? Yeah. <laughs> like it was in the first couple years of Geekscape. And he just goes... Yeah, no. What? <laughs> he's, he's too busy. <laughs> he was just standing at his booth, and but I, and, you know what I mean. Like I think that it had I. He it, was in V too. He was totally in V. Loved V. And we've had the V creator Kenny Johnson on the show. Oh, cool. And then what's crazy is uh, if you guys subscribe to the, the podcast Geeks Campus, the next one I'm going to put up. I think I've, I've got the Sklar Brothers coming up, and we have our Infinity War special. So I don't know what I'm going to put up next, but. Surprise, it'll be a surprise, but we do have Dean Devlin, and I talked to Dean Devlin about the opening of Independence Day versus the opening of V. Because mm. remember, like, the ships were going over, like, the White right. House yeah, yeah. and Golden Gate Bridge. Totally. It was almost like Independence Day <laughs> totally was influenced by V, but... Huh. Yeah, no, I remember watching V as a kid when she eats that, like, rodent. She's <laughs> like that gerbil. pigs. And you're like... <gasps> yeah. They're aliens. Geekscapists who, who may be a different... Uh, you know, maybe you guys grew up in the '90s or something. If you don't know V, <laughs> you guys should I love check it that out. Show. And not the Sci-Fi Channel or CBS remake or whatever they did recently. We want you guys to go no, back the, and watch the like, original, the '80s V. And Singer, you know, he was awesome. Mark Singer was awesome, and um, like, and and uh, yeah, he was like the hand solo of that show. And then he was the Beastmaster. Then he was fucking Beastmaster. Like, Am I allowed to curse? No, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And uh, the crazy story about that I heard about Don Coscarelli was yeah. Don Coscarelli was supposed to do the second Conan movie, Conan the Destroyer. Okay. But he had such a tough time on Beastmaster, which is a similar fantasy movie from the 80s, yeah. that he, they took it away from him. They took the edit away from him. Right. And it was so painful for him that he, he was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do the right. second Conan movie. That, which is awesome. The, the, uh, the, um, his, his love interest in the movie... I had so many dreams about that girl. What, what the hell? Is it like Tony Katane or something like no, that? No, like, no. Who is it? And she, when she gets out of the out Holy of the water, shit. and you're just like, "What is happening?" Oh here? my good lord! I'm feeling. You know, something. was also one of the scariest moments in my childhood. Yes, the bird people, <laughs> the bat people. Yeah, <laughs> they wrap their wings around. Diver- you. <laughs> yeah, when and they like they dissolve you. you with their wing <laughs> membranes. <laughs> what a ridiculous like. <laughs> On screen, like special effect, but the the, uh, the what it did to my mind as a child. Oh, it fucked scared you up. the shit out. And when they open up, and it's the cheapest effect because yeah. just cut to like so opening geez. the wings and a bunch of like meat and bone. Yeah. Uh, and then they, they put their heads down into their wings like they're, they're dissolving you with their beaks like fucking Big Bird. <laughs> but we fell for that as kids. Like We, yeah. we thought there were ghoulies in our toilet. Oh, so scary. Like, like critters. See, like we thought critters could shoot the spines into you and they're just cuts. <laughs> like, they're, just like, yeah. they're just really bad. <laughs> they're just really badly orchestrated yeah. special effects. Yeah. And like killer clowns can suck you up into a cotton candy balloon. I and couldn't now you're finish stuck. that one. 
Oh man, uh, those are people I should definitely have them on the show. But I got you on the show, uh, oh, good. dude. Love having you on the show <laughs> after not being able to talk to you ten years. Ago. Yes, <laughs> ten years in the making. <laughs> Maybe if I'd seen you swing a sword in a loincloth, I would have been like, "That's know, the guy." This feels natural. Yeah, this, that's a movie that's coming though, Geeks Gabists. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm too hairy for that, man. <laughs> too hairy for that outfit. You're too hairy for that now. Yeah, we're, we. I mean, we, we, we can work some, up to it. We, we'll work up to it. Little mare, <laughs> do some work. That dude we'll had see. a lot of grease too. He dude, had just covered oil, in grease. The oil, the oh good. They built them up good. Uh, guys, we could talk about Beastmaster for the night. We probably whatever. could. We could. Um, but the the reason Dan's sitting down with us, <laughs> we're doing Beastmaster Five. <laughs> should um, is we got this? Uh, he he's got this book out called Brooklyn Gladiator. Yes, and um, he got a, he signed me a copy right here, and I'm so pumped. Uh, when I opened the PDF, I saw this Glenn Fabry artwork. Yeah, and it, you guys who've read the the Preacher Trades and uh, all the Preacher books remember Glenn Fabry's covers were just. I mean, that's like the your first impression of Preacher was like, what what is this? Yeah. And immediately upon opening the book, you've got this serious like 2000 AD vibe, you know. And I think Glenn Fabry and those artists have something to do with it. And Simon Beasley. Simon Beasley on the for back sure. There, yeah. Like he did all those Dread covers that you love and Dread pieces of artwork that you love. If you guys are Judge Dread fans, but this book right here, book Brooklyn Gladiator, um, it's out yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. Um, this thing's out. It's from Chapter House Books. You guys want to go to your comic book stores and ask for it. And it feels, just from flipping through it, I'm going to get down into it, is that you're saying, what if all these conspiracy theories are true? Yeah. It's like, but I, th- I think, when did you start working on this book? Because now our conspiracy theories are actually coming true. Uh, exactly. When did you start working on the book? Um, yeah. The, I started working on the book early 2000s. Um, right around when uh, 9-11 happened, really. Uh, and uh, I, I really dove down the conspiracy rabbit hole r- right around there. I'm just trying to figure out. you lived in New York at the time. Yeah, I and was. And I did, too. Yeah, man, I was, like, blocks away from that shit when it happened. And did you hear these stories? Because, like, for the next couple of days, I was up in Morningside, so further away from you. Yeah. But, but absolutely, can remember how quiet it got the rest of that day. That day was the most surreal day of my life. And the next day, you could walk through Times Square like freaking. Yeah, that day. I mean, it was. Uh, I basically <laughs> was ten, like ten blocks away from the thing. I was able to look out my window and see the plumes of smoke, and then look at my TV. It was just, and then just stuck to the television all day long, and just seeing those buildings come down over and over and over again, and then just basically just being hypnotized by that, and then. It felt like we were zombies walking in the middle of the street from the Lower East Side all the way up through Times Square. Yeah. You could just, you know, it was, it was post-apocalyptic, mm-hmm. that feeling. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's such a, I was in shock. And that really left this imprint um, on me. And, I mean, obviously, I, 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 felt, I felt the shock waves of it, you know? Like, I really felt it. Right. I woke up to it. You were close enough to yeah. it. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. feel that. And um, <clears throat> so that really stuck with me. And then just the whole day was, like I said, it's underlined surreal. There wasn't a lot of, it didn't seem like that. There was a lot of reality going on that day, mm-hmm. which made me jump down the conspiracy rabbit hole, just trying to figure out what, it, it just didn't look right to me. And um, let's just leave it at that. Like false flagish stuff? Because you uh, had a theory, and you start hearing stories. Well, I mean, like, there's all those conspiracy yeah. theories out there. I don't know what happened. All I know is that, um, you know, there are certain hot-button words that you throw out there, and then suddenly everything's dismissed. All I know, I can only speak on a scientific level, you know, from what I know, uh, from what I know, and... Uh, the it just the, it didn't add up the math of like the jet fuel burning and yeah all of these elements uh, all of these elements just it, it's like really all of those things would make uh, not one not two 
but three buildings fall down in the vicinity. Right. Uh, I'm just gonna leave it but there. You've also heard like if they put the shrap, like the bullet that killed JFK, when they put the shrapnel all together, it was more than just a single bullet's worth of shrapnel. And like you hear stories, I had, a, I had a yeah. Um, there was more shrapnel in um, the other guy that got hit uh, than there was in the bullet that they found. And I heard <laughs> and then, here, the one thing that happened that week or a, well, few, a few weeks yeah. later in New York was that I, I had a cab driver. Or I had a, a, a guy who who claimed that his cab driver that morning wouldn't drive him any closer, you know, to the towers. Because he had a, he had a, he like a prop, like, like a prophetic thing? Or he, or he had just, the word was on the street. Oh. You know what I mean? And, like, that was, I had a guy who was insisting, he's like, yeah, I worked down there, and the only reason I'm alive is because my cab driver refused to get me any closer to those buildings on that morning. Why didn't the cab driver know? That's what I'm saying is like what the, that like the word the on, the street, on the street was that, that well, he, the cab driver was of the uh, was in the like Muslim community you know so wow interesting and so I was like uh, but you don't you just have to believe what you believe because if you start going down that you look up at your Jesse Ventura no that's why <laughs> right exactly <laughs> and then you're that's like, why I can only focus on the science of it and how um, there was this I mean I, we're going there but yeah. you know uh, and don't go Sesame and blog Street. about how Dan Fogler is some weirdo. I am a weirdo. I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's a weirdo for that, but he's not some anti-government. Da, 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 da. We no, I'm not. But I, I, I am someone who is trying to seek truth, and um, and I also find that conspiracies are definitely just an endless well of excellent uh, sci-fi uh, gold. Totally. You know. So I, it's just so cool to research all this stuff. Because we're um, living in the dead zone. If like, like we, remember when like Trump was getting elected, we all thought it was the dead zone. And like, where's Christopher Walken when right. we need him? Because this is going <laughs> fucking south fast. Yeah, yeah Chris Walken. Wow, wow. <laughs> I shake your hand. You know they shot a gun off screen for those moments in the dead zone. Yeah, you know when he shake the hand yeah, and you yeah, have yeah. The, the premonition. Yeah, yeah. The reason everyone jumped at the same time was because they shot a gun off screen. Holy shit. Yeah. There's some film. Hey, there's a method for you. Yeah, I love that. Well, I mean, it's not, I mean, I don't know it's what just, you would call that. Scaring the shit it's, out yeah, of it's like a, a forced reaction. <laughs> um, and supposedly Walken was so scared of guns that it just really just, he would just jump. Flashback to the Natalie Wood boat. Yikes. <laughs> oh, Yikes. We're going to all these places. We're going to all the conspiracies. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, well, you see how they all kind of connect, yeah, man. That was the that That's was also the, the theory was that he was on that boat with Natalie Wood and da 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 that he was having an affair. Yeah, well, I mean that's a whole other yeah. thing, man. I mean that's <laughs> like a that's I don't know how, what, how much of a conspiracy that is. That's uh, just kind of a mystery. But, he and Robert uh, Wagner, yeah, yeah, um, you know, but all these things are are I don't know if that's connected, but if you, <laughs> no, but no. you can you can connect JFK. Um, to secret societies, to nine eleven, to the fucking moon landing, to Kubrick, to you know, I, I, if you just one rabbit hole leads to the next. If you're listening to this tape, it's because Dan and I have been killed, and somebody found it and uploaded it. Right, exactly. There's black helicopters. Get away from the windows. Hovering outside our windows right here, uh, and we are abducted. Uh, you, I mean, do you do that? You go online and you go down the rabbit hole and just start connecting dots and. It's interesting, you know. I love I love uh, Joe Rogan. I mean, he, he fucking goes there. I right. love listening to that stuff. Um, I I just I just I'm the kind of person that um, I'm just skeptical, you know. I I just I know I saw the movie uh, uh, The Princess Bride when I was a kid, and that in that movie there's a lot of interesting information about how governments work. And um, wait, that was the movie like Humperdinck and all that stuff. Yeah, like, and it, it, it was wasn't very like, unsuspecting. I was just like, oh, Robert I really Redford. like this book. <laughs> it wasn't like Robert Redford movie or something like that. You're no, right. it was the moment where um, Wallace Shawn said, "I hired you to start a war. It's <laughs> right. a prestigious line of business." <laughs> right, and I was yeah. like, "Whoa, they've been doing this since fucking Kings and Queens, man." Right. Hiring people to start to, to create false flags to start wars. So knowing that that's part of our wondrous history, and that's, that's just a human the, race. That's the human race, man. Yeah. It's a cyclical, the cyclical pattern that we're in. So I, you know, I think it's our job as podcasters and 
and comic book art, uh, writers and, and uh, you know, movie makers and whatever, whatever entertainment media you're in, it's, a, it's important for us to, <laughs> to have our comment on society. And if you're worried about shit like I am, where you, where you have a society that um, a lot of people just aren't awake. They're not, they're, they're they're not, not living. Woke, woke as the kids say. Right, whatever vernacular you know yeah. we want to use, um, they are they're living in a bubble, and um, you know they have they're constantly looking at their cell phone. It's interesting why they why do they call it a cell phone? You know, it's like your fucking cell. You're in a cell. You're in a you're you're stuck in this right. you're this trapped. bubble. It's the distraction machine. It's 1984. It's the short speak. It's the mm-hmm. all of these it's the double speak. Yeah. yeah, the um, well, the Ibit language, and I mean that's fucking Twitter, man. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, everyone talking with emojis. Yeah, yeah, we're purposely getting dumbed down, so we can either go into a prison for profit or into the, the uh, bullet catching. The, you know, we're in the army, or we're bullet catchers, or yeah. we're prisoners, or we're making money for somebody, or we're you know, um, and just keep them dumb, keep them unaware. But I think that. When you, as a kid, when you got into like science fiction, you got into storytelling. You started resisting this binary form of thinking. You started thinking more vigilantly or dynamically about what was going on. And I've said it a lot recently on the show Geekscape is about how fiction was is always our way of looking at the truth. You know, and storytelling was always our way of taking something and trying to quantify it mm. and rip it out of this binary good bad form of thinking, this horse race that we're always kind of ironed into to look at things a little more dynamically or from multiple sides. Um, now look where we're, look where we're at. <laughs> People are like, I thought you guys were just going to talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we may there's a talk, lot of lessons in that, too. We may be talking about Harry Potter. I know you, uh, some geeks gave us so many questions, and I will try and get to them. Okay. Um, but what I, what I want to talk about is like your journey to Brooklyn Gladiator, because like Moon Lake and, our, and like obviously we... Geekscape is we've had people from Boom and Arcade on the show over the years. And did you see Moon Lake as being, like, successful? Like, how did that satiate your appetite? <laughs> yeah. And how did that make you be like, no, I want something else? Like, the next thing. Like, in what ways were you satisfied with it? And in what ways were you, like, as a storyteller? You know what I mean? Because, like, yeah. as a storyteller, there's always that 80% satisfaction, if you're lucky, yeah. in that part that the itch is still there. You know? I won't be uh, satisfied with Moon Lake until it's, like... An animated TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, Moon Lake is my homage to basically Heavy Metal magazine right. because I, and the movie Heavy Metal. Um, and I watched the movie Heavy Metal, and I thought, "Holy shit, this is an anthology with eclectic short stories with different styles." But it's got the Lochnar weaving all the stories together. Right, and I thought. Well, how come that's not a TV show? God damn it! Yeah, like a, like a like like one of these anthology shows, like Black Mirror. Black Mirror, animated yeah. Black Mirror. So, uh, so I basically wrote Moon Lake because I eventually want it to be, and we're working on it now. I want it to be an animated show where our Lochnar, our Lochnar, the narrator, is the, our uh, is the man in the moon who weaves all the different stories together. Um, it all takes place at Moon Lake. Um, telling tales from the beginning of human history until now into the future, and uh, it's kind of like lost in the way where it's displaced from time. It's on the border of Canada and America. You go there, you you have a very hard time of getting out of there. Mm-hmm. And um, so, for me, that I have so many ideas for the, for that for Moon Lake, uh, telling many different tales. Over time, we have the omnibus that's coming out from Chapter House. That's in October and ha- Halloween, which is very exciting. That's going to be volume one and volume two, and like a hundred and fifty pages of previously unpublished material. And it's going to be a good giant book. <laughs> Would you continue with it now that you have this relationship with Chapter House? Yeah, I want to just keep making away maybe volume three. Well, I want to do volume three, but I mean, we'll we'll reboot it. So the omnibus is basically taking everything that was from Archaea. And saying, okay, let's wrap it all up in one nice package. 
that's for you. And then the next time we revisit Moon Lake, which I want to, it would be Return to Moon Lake mm -hmm. or, you know, um, Moon Lake Mysteries or something. That would be the next revamping of it. And, uh, yeah, just, um, you know, Moon Lake... Moon Lake 2.0, you know. So. I still, I, I'm still getting over the fact that you went and saw Princess Bride, and you thought about like the governmental conspiracy theories, but you also watched Heavy Metal and weren't just like I was. A, I watched Heavy Metal at that age and was like boobs. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, 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 Listen, there's plenty like, of boobs I, in Moon Lake. I'm a simpleton. Like, is what we're discovering. <laughs> <laughs> you were watching and you were like, "There's something more here." Yes, there's a yes, there's a, a franchise here worth uh, discovering. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> boobs. <laughs> Fantasy boobs. Yeah. I mean, and South Park had that episode where they did major boobage in Kenny's flying on the thing. I didn't you ever see that? There's one. a South Park episode that just makes like is heavy is the heavy metal movie. Really? And Kenny's flying around on that freaking a weird pterodactyl thing. The pterodactyl thing. Yeah. And he's in this thing called Major Boobage. And he's flying on he's flying on a landscape and all the hills are boobs and stuff. It's awesome. It's amazing. Um so did I answer your question? Yeah, no, no. I want to because because you started off with like you made a hysterical psycho. Yeah, which you started, which was like your filmmaking and the stories there. And like, what was it about making a film? Because really, that that came out of your theater background, the stage thirteen yeah. in New York. So hysterical. So right. So hysterical psycho was really the genesis of Moon Lake. It's it was a film that I made as an experiment. Um, but using your theater resources. Yeah, using my theater company. Because your theater company, in 2001, two, you started this theater company. Stage 13. Stage 13. Yeah. And then from there, you developed Studio characters. 13. And those characters, like the 25th annual um, Putnam County Spelling Bee, which you got a Tony for. Yeah, that was... Was that a character that you developed in Stage 13? Not or? with Stage 13. That was, before the, that, was before. that was before Stage 13 existed. Right. Um, yeah, the Spelling Bee was created with a company called The Farm. Mm. Um, yeah, and that was, the, that was the catalyst. You know, once I got recognition for that, I was like, oh, wow, okay, let's start our own what theater company. Yeah, and then, um, so we were doing this play called Voyage of the Carcass, which in a nutshell, <laughs> it's like the craziest title, but uh, the nutshell is um, it's about these explorers who go to the North Pole, um, you know, looking for the new world or whatever, and uh, they get trapped up there, and then they become cannibalistic, and they're like these cannibalistic clowns. They're looking for like, wait, they, they go to the North Pole? Yeah, like... And they're, they're looking for like the land that time forgot? Yeah, basically they're, basically they're looking for... They're just going to see if there's an actual pole there. Oh. You know. Like a physical... Yeah, because no one's Christmas, been there. Like you know? a Santa Claus pole. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. okay. They don't know what's there because no yeah. one's ever been there. So it's like, you know, in like like the turn of the century when everyone was like, sure. yes, let's go to Antarctica. Let's yeah. go to, you know, Admiral Byrd and all that shit. Yeah, let's fly More to the moon. More conspiracies. Let's right fly a bullet to the moon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That time. Voyage to the moon, you know. Right. Um, which is interesting because it's all connected. Like Jules Verne type stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And we use that image uh, of the moon for Hysterical Psycho. We use the image of the that like, pizza-faced moon. Yeah, for the Millier film. But a, in, trip, yeah. a trip to the moon. Yeah, and where it gets instead, the of the, its yeah instead of a rocket ship, we had the RV in its eye. Oh, that's cool. <clears throat> you know, right. um, with blood squirting out of it. Uh, we'll so but, to make it more violent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, kids. This well, is <laughs> I mean, well, what happened there was we were doing this... this this play about cannibalistic clowns, and we had we had uh, my director in the audience, Randy, um, who was also an actor, but he was directing. And if he liked what we were doing on stage, he'd be in the darkness, and you'd hear him mouthing the words, and then he'd let out this like weird breathy laugh, and it would sound like this. He'd just be like. You that hear, was your barometer. You hear that in the dark. Yeah, you hear that in the darkness, and you're like, "Dude, you're fucking freaking me out. You have to stop that." And then it, the light, uh, the you know, I, I just the light bulb went off in my head. I was like, "Oh my god, that this like this really scary character, mm -hmm. this Mister Laffy character." So I said, "I want to put you <laughs> in a movie yeah. um, where he plays this. It's about these friends that go to Moon Lake." 
So Moon League was a part of hysterical. Yeah, yeah right. it was invented there. So they go to this this place that is saturated with lunar radiation, and they all start to go nuts in their own way. And this guy loses his mind. He becomes his alter ego, Mr. Laffy, and he starts killing everybody. And I thought I made that movie because I was supposed to play a young Hitchcock in this movie that never got made called Number 13. And I thought, fuck, i got to make my own Hitch. I've got to make my own Psycho. Right. So I made, you know, my Psycho on Acid, basically, which is Hysterical Psycho. Um, and that was my experiment, just to see if I could make a movie. And it, and it, was, be- it was really a beautiful experience. But from that, I was like, shit, if I could, if I could tell a story about you know, these friends that go up to Mood Lake and they all, you know, kill each other. Why couldn't I tell tales at Mood Lake from the beginning of human history all the way through to the future? And that is where the anthology came from. It's like your dark tower. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Stephen King has his dark tower and like all of the Stephen King books tie into the dark tower right. some way. It's like the spoke on the wheel of yeah, all of these stories and connect them all. And you've got this Moon Lake. That's it. Um, yeah, um, I can see how it works. Yeah, so right now we're developing it into a into a TV show. So I'll be satisfied when it reaches that uh, when it reaches fruition, and it's a you know when it works as a show. And uh, yeah, man, I in Brooklyn Gladiator is that like the so same Brooklyn, goal for them? Is that the same goal? Is that something that you're like? Yeah, let's want, get it to that next. Yeah, step. I think it could be a really cool. I think it could be. Um, a cool live action uh, show or movie, you know, with uh, um, like Vin Diesel or something playing him or something. Yeah. But uh, but uh, a huge influence on Brooklyn Gladiator is Akira. Yeah, and I would love to see this universe in that complex, beautiful anime style. You know, I mean, Jeff Darrow's artwork, I always of thought. Of course. Like, Jeff Darrow's artwork is always, to me, the one that is so intricate love and detailed. And, and hysterical. you're like, holy crap. And I, I, mean, I remember I asking him. I want to get him, him for this, man. I remember asking him, like, how, like, like, why do you take the time to draw Tokyo like that? When I, I bought a Godzilla print from New York Comic Con of his, and he goes, that's what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, done, done. Yeah. You're great. Um yeah, I think Jeff... Like, hard-boiled. Hard-boiled, like, Paul Beerhoven movies. Ooh. So you grew up like a major geek like us. Like, yeah, This yeah. was it. Yeah. You know? And um, I think that the geeks today are, you know, it's, it's, it's popularly accepted. But, man, we took some dents <laughs> early on because it was almost well, like... It was, it, it was pretty unpopular to well, be it's so that re- into this there's stuff. There's such redemption now. All the things that we stayed up late... Doing, and your mother was just like, mm-hmm. "Do your homework, go to sleep." You know, I was like, "No, ma, I'm actually doing research for the future uh, economy." Did you think that, of it that way? No, <laughs> not at all. You were having fun. No, I was just like, "Shut up! I want to finish my heavy metal magazine." Right. You know, I, I, <laughs> sorry, mom, I love you so much, uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, the it was. Huge influence. Um, uh, the, what was the question? No, we were, we were just kind of jamming. I was I was yeah. talking to you about your geek experience growing up, and it very surmised, and your parents didn't want you to do it. So yeah. you did that. Were you rebellious? Well, like I mean, that? that's because, not just because I think just, my dad wanted to be a writer, and so he was like story, oh. story, story. It's like like he was really encouraging. Well, we grew up on that. like the it was like a golden age, man. Spielberg, Lucas, like Claremont and Byrne on X Men, and like my all God. that stuff. It's like holy crap! It, it was it was it was a golden age then, and it's it's the resurgence is is a golden age now, and. You look at between Star Wars and Marvel and and you know DC and all these different all the toys. You started getting better video games, like actual video games. Yeah, where you you know you wish that you could, um, like you, you remember the movie uh, Toy Soldiers? Of course. Like, don't you wish you well, had, Will your GI Joes were like that? <laughs> Will Wheaton runs out and he's, he gets blown away. <laughs> yeah, man, you gotta. <laughs> Like if when I was a kid, like I you, you'd set I set up these elaborate. Oh, Toy Soldiers! Do you mean the the one that um, was the, yeah, not the, that. Toy, Toy Soldiers was Tommy Lee Jones. I think, the, yeah, you're yeah. talking about yeah. I think it they is were like little dolls. 
I'm talking about the Robot one dolls. where the terrorists take over the school, the private school. Remember that has got Will Wheaton in it. Is that also called Toy Soldiers? I think it might be. No, I'm small soldiers. Small. You're soldiers. talking about small. Soldiers. Oh, I'm talking about small soldiers. Yours is small soldiers. Why is it mine called Toy Soldiers? Because there was already the movie where Will Wheaton got blown away. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. That should have been called Small Soldiers. Yes, yeah, small soldiers, but that one, but they're small because they're toys. Well, th- what, you understand my I dilemma. Totally here? understand the dilemma. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> when I used to set up my G.I. Joes and Transformers and shit as a kid, and I'd get out my, like, Entertech water gun or whatever and, and like, you know, shoot them down in my room and, like, have, like, these... Like, in my head, it would have been so much more amazing if I could program them and then suddenly just sit back and watch them have their own little mini battle. Lives, yeah. And then you have that... I have that feeling, a sense of that feeling when I watch... Like the airport battle scene in, you know, Marvel's Civil War or something where mm-hmm. you see all your favorites mixed together and they're, uh, the personalities are right and the, and the scene, the, the special effects are right. The character, the, 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 the uh, powers are, are perfect. And it really, it, we're living in a very special time where we're seeing all of our childhood uh, dreams laid out before us in, you know, IMAX. It's like, what a joy to be alive right now. It's a gold, like the geek golden age. Yeah. Um, does that kind of stuff make it harder, though, for a unique idea like Moon Lake or Brooklyn Gladiator? Hell no. But, the, but you know what I mean, though, because it's like everybody wants the superhero franchise. And I know that, right. like, over the past few years, there's been that those executives who go to the comic book store and like, hey, you got any of them comic books like an option? Right. And in that way, it can make it easier. Right. But how do you keep them from taking something like Moon Lake and being like, hey, how do we veer this into a tentpole franchise? Because it feels to me it it's more of a grassroots cult thing. Like, hey, yeah. have you seen Moon Lake? And it grows in the way that... Yeah, it's more does of Does that a, make sense? Like the first it's more season, of a Sam Raimi, Army of Darkness totally. uh, angle. Totally. We know. And then... And, and, and Sam did end up making Spider-Man, Spider-Man, but like, it seems like Moon Lake or Brooklyn Gladiator is a little more cult yeah. than Spielberg. It's a little more yeah. like... I'm more of a... Moon Lake is the anti-Marvel universe, essentially. Right, so it's in that dark way, Marvel. I ask, does that stuff... Does, it, does the climate... Does, it, does like a superhero-laden climate make it hard to bring that stuff to... Uh, it's, it, no, it's just inspiring. Right. It's just more inspiring. It, it it blasts the door wide open, like I'm saying. Like a, a huge part of our economy is based on it. That people are looking to looking to to for this content. Uh, it's beautiful because you have like musicals that are based on graphic novels. It's not just like tentpole franchise movies. You have these very complex. Um, you know, dark educational uh, TV shows. It's amazing. There's it's a golden age. In, yeah, like it's challenging. A, They're dealing with real shit. Smart stuff out there, and um, it's just it's just uh, great. You know, to just marinate in in all of the the beautiful pop culture symphony that's going on right now, and just um, like I said, getting inspired from that, and then obviously it's it's um, it's. I feel very creative. I just want to. I, I can't stop creating uh, stuff, and it's really an homage to all the stuff that I love. So, well, what's your relationship with when you co-write with Tom Hodges? Like, what's the, what's that? No, process? he's the artist. The artist. Uh, no, uh, Tom's the artist. You co-write with uh, with Andrew. Yeah, Harrison. So, like, Harrison. Like, like, what's the process there? Do you you know what I mean? You guys have this long conversation. Somebody puts it on paper, and you guys just beat it back and forth over email or in person mm. and then it slowly makes its way through uh, to, to Tom or is Tom part of that drafting process because I remember what, like I, as it, when I'm writing comics I always find it like I'm shot listing and storyboarding at the same time I'm scripting Wow! and every now and then my artist will have a suggestion mm. and I'll be like well that's brilliant you just saved me a lot of dialogue or you saved me a lot of lines because yeah. of the visual aspect to it how fluid is your process? Um, I kind of treat it like uh, like a sculpture, mm-hmm. where you just have pages and pages of outline of a story, which is basically your raw materials. You originate that stuff, yeah, yeah. 
and uh, and you never throw anything away. You never negate anything because you just save it for later. You can, if you chop something out, you can always use it down the line for something else. Um, so it's a very positive uh, process. I like working with somebody else because I got too many fucking ideas, and I don't. I just don't have the time to to edit stuff down. Um, so Andrew will take. Andrew what, took what, pages and yeah. pages of story and just said, okay, let's start with the, you know, chapter one here. And, um, and then he puts his, uh, he siphons it through his, um, his skills, puts his pr- uh, imprint on it, his stamp on it. And then I get it back and forth. Like you said, you, you pass it back and forth till it gets more and more honed down. And then, um, I uh, and then I break it into panels. Mm-hmm. Um, you do the panel breakdowns, yeah. In conversation with Tom, or does he give you thumbnails? No, or? I just do my own version of what I think it should look like, uh-huh. kind of like storyboarding. That's what I was doing when I was writing. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but then, and you and you set it up. You describe it as much as you can, but you do it in a way where you're, it's you're not you know OCD about it you're not you know so they feel like when you hand it off to them you want them to be inspired by it and then put their own mark on it and hopefully they're going to take it to the next level and do something you never fucking thought of like you said like holy shit you just saved me five pages no it's like a good DP where you're like yeah. I want it to be like this and they give you something that's so emotionally in nails it or an actor who steps up and it's exactly it's like, like whoa I never even would have thought of it that's why you don't crash into a scene Geekscape is for filmmakers it's like you let them run through their blocking, like maybe present some blocking, let them run through the scene because yeah. you don't want to shut down whatever they have. You don't come in and just yeah. start being like, okay, and then you do this and here are the beats, da da da. Like let them find this stuff. It's alchemy. Mm-hmm. There's this, you have to have a sense of play. You have to have the people wanting to and loving being there. Right. And that's how you get gold. And, um, on so, like, we, of course, there's a lot of Geekscape. And Geekscape is, we're talking right now about Brooklyn Gladiator. Uh, they put it out um, on uh, Chapter House. You get, it's a Canadian company. Uh, you get can, it on Amazon. You get it on Amazon. It's in stores, on shelves. Yeah, and I'm sure Diamond Distributors, it goes to your comic book store, will have it. So if you go to your comic book store and you're like, hey, I want Brooklyn Gladiator. It's this really handsome 100-page trade. Um, go ahead and, uh, and, and ask them for it. They can totally find it on Diamond and get it for you. Uh, but chapterhouse.ca. And uh, I, I think... I had first heard of Chapter House because Jay Baruchel had mentioned it on yeah. on Mark Marin. Yeah, me too. About I mean, it. that's how I heard about it on Mark Marin. And I know I, I, from Jay. From Jay. Uh, I mean, I heard of Captain Canuck. You know, uh-huh. he was uh, he was a character that was out there. Um, but uh, he's a big comic fan. Jay, yeah. yeah. So Jay, um, yeah, he. I've been talking to Brooklyn about Brooklyn Gladiator to him over the years, I, because. Uh, he le- he gets out of America and he heads to Canada. So I, and Jay's, you know, very Canadian. So I was picking his brain about, you know, what do you think about this journey? And 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 then out of the blue, he was like, "Hey, man, I'm I'm you know, I guess I'm the uh, chief creative officer now, and uh, they want me to bring in my friends and bring in and you know, open the door." So it was really just an easy transition, and then I and then I thought, hey, can I bring Moon Lake over to you guys too? Because I'm not really happy with what's going on with it over at. Uh, I mean, I was I was happy with it at, at Arkea, but then they got absorbed. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, I mean, and everything got put on the back burner. So I was like, fuck it. I, and these guys are, uh, you know, they're up and coming. They're they're more of a boutique um, company and. I think it's paying off. They're they're paying more attention to the books. And they'll invest in the artwork. They'll take care of it. It's like yeah. you don't want to get lost in like a giant comic book publisher, yeah. you know. And we love Boom. They've grown a lot. They've got a lot of stuff going on. They got a huge, a lot of film and TV stuff. So um, yeah, no, I I totally get it. And I think the presentation on this stuff is awesome. So that's Geekscape. Is you got to go pick up this book. And there's and there's more. I mean, you've got Last Storm. Yeah, how do you know about that? Those, I guess I talked about it. You talk about it in your intro, dude. Come on. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, so you've got more ideas. <laughs> Tons of ideas. Um, the Last Storm is the prequel, prequel, prequel to Brooklyn Gladiator. Um, when everything goes to shit. 
Well, the la- last storm was basically is the last. It's like it's a long time ago in a galaxy not so far away. It's, yeah. it's the story of uh, um, the last time the yin energy took over. So there's the yin yang is a wheel, uh-huh. we, and uh, this is how I interpret it, researched yeah. it. Uh, we've been living in the yang. And you can feel it for for eons, centuries. It's like a negative energy. It's not negative because there's always it's a little bit of side. there's always a little bit of yin in the yang, and there's always a little bit of yang in the but yin. But we're clearly closed off from something. Well, it's a, it's a very male dominated energy, mm-hmm. which in a lot of ways is good, and in a lot of ways it's it's you know Bad. it's it's warlike. Yeah, and and you can you can smell it. You know, it's in the air. Um, but what you also sense is this. The it's kind of like the last screams of this yang energy uh, as the yin is taking over as the wheel turns. Mm-hmm. So we're heading into this feminine energy, and in the Brooklyn Gladiator, it presents itself as moving into the light, um, and there's a psychic awakening. So the last storm is the is the last time this psychic awakening happened, and it's the story of this. This girl, and she's the she's the hero of of that journey. Like the embodiment of this, of, yeah, of yeah. the energy awakening. Right. Um, and uh, so that's its own epic thing. There's another story that we're developing in the process of developing. Uh, I think Ben Temple Smith is going to do it. I like it's, ben. Yeah, so he did Thirty Days of Night in Geekscapist. If you you know you guys picture that artwork, that was awesome. Yeah, um, uh, it's called. Um, Fish kill, and it's you're just fucking around now. No, I'm not messing with you. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it takes place right now. It takes place, um, with all the headlines uh, that are happening today, and it's you see, it's the uh, the seeds of Brooklyn Gladiator. It's the setup for Brooklyn Gladiator. And so you you're really just writing about to some extent. I can assume that you're writing about these actual real frustrations or real alarm bells going off here on reality, and maybe this is your way of trying to yeah, it's cathartic. Your, yeah, exercise your own control over a situation that we can't control. Yeah, and we're sitting here like strapped to this effing roller coaster ride, and we're like, slow it down. I need to understand this where this is going, and we're just going through loops. And I mean, art, or I think all the artists are doing yeah. that. I mean, you see it in, uh, it's in Star Wars. Yeah, no, we do it, I mean, I, and I asked people, I was like, would Star Wars have made so much money if we wouldn't have had the, you know, Iranian hostage crisis, if we wouldn't have had a, mm. like, like, Nixon falling out of favor, you know, all these, the you know, post, you know, uh, Vietnam, America, like, we were, like, seriously blemished as a country, and then this escapist fiction comes out that was cathartic. And about a war, about a war, an epic said, war where remember that you're good, you know, yeah, where governments play both sides and start wars. Mm-hmm. Um, because you were in fanboys, you like what I did there? That was very good. You were in fanboys. Well, <laughs> Geeks gave us you got to help me out when you guys submit your questions because I have Geeks gave us who are just like, I don't talk about fanboys, and I'm like, what. I need some detailed questions because somebody else said, to let them know I appreciate Take Me Home Tonight. Oh, good. Which I saw when it was still called The Kids Are All Right. Yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. Escape is no long time. I've had that. Uh, I've had a Kids job. in America. The kids in America. Yeah, it changed many and times. And, 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 and for the first time, I, and I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Uh, and I, as it was coming together, and I remember, and, and, and for the first time, uh, I thought of it in a new light because somebody said it's the Savage Steve Holland movie we never got. Huh. And I was like, holy shit, you're right. Savage Steve Holland, yeah. I love Savage Steve Holland's movies. And and you really only can think of Zeke the Cat and the two he made in the 80s with John John Cusack. Wow. Those movies are classics. Yeah. Oh, I love those movies. Like, everyone loves John. With Bobcat Goldthwait was in those movies? He was in One Crazy Summer. Yeah. And then, like... So good. Oh, Better Off Dead is... One of the best. Incredible. Yeah. Um, but when you watch Take Me Home Tonight, I kind of, when I think of it in that light, huh. 
Not that the movie needs to get better, because I love that bathroom scene where you're waking the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> you know that scene? <laughs> trying to cocaine for the first time. <laughs> you're trying to cocaine love for the first time. Love that shit. Time. But it's such a Savage Steve Holland style movie. So uh, those are movies that, that the Geekscape is appreciating. Now we can get to the actual questions. Yeah, good. You ready for this? Yeah, ready. All right. We've got some Harry Potter fans. Uh, actually, my friend Deidre actually said I love his physical comedy, especially in that movie. Like, you're doing some Chaplin-style stuff. In which one? Fantastic Beasts? Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. And how much of that came out of rehearsing with special effects and things that weren't there and knowing that you have to take on a lot of this physicality and how much of it was... Just- well, it was. I'm such a huge fan of Chaplin and, and, uh, and Marx Brothers and all that. Um, and then we, we were in the twenties, you know. So and mm. the outfit and the mustache and you know, was feeling it. Yeah, just everything. Uh, it was just a, and I just love that stuff. And it's just classic comedy, so it's brilliant stuff. And so we had an opportunity to pay homage to that. And there were scenes where I was, where the director caught on, like, wow, this is just, like, yeah, let's take the lines out. Let's just do the zoo scene. Feels. Where was? Um, I yeah. took my brother to see Last Dictator last week. Oh yeah, How would, that's a movie that holds up still, especially with this Trump stuff. Yeah, oh god. Like, yeah. When's the last time you saw that movie? I saw it fairly recently because I watched it uh, as inspiration for Don Peyote mm. when I was making that movie. Um, and uh, yeah, that last scene where you, you know, so many no one knows what his voice is, right? And then suddenly he has a speech that rocks your soul. Yeah. Um, it's as good as the like Eisenhower speech. That'll get you an Oscar nomination. Yeah, <laughs> like he got an Oscar nomination yeah. for that. It's like holy crap. Yeah. Um, stirring. My what? Stirring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my friend Joel wants to know if he can come to the set or premiere of Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, Joel. I don't know this He's a person. Good guy. He's a good Is guy. he okay? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah, you want to bring him? Sure, let's do that. Yeah, you want to set that. up a thing? We'll set up a thing. If you end up in the Leavesden next year. <laughs> let's do it. Let's go to Leavesden Studios. Uh, where do they shoot? Personal guests, sign a couple uh, MDAs and rock Let's go, on. Joel. Joel, let's, let's make a trip. He does want to know about meeting J.K. Rowling. Was it cool? Really cool. Yeah, she, uh, you know, she's like a modern, our modern Shakespeare, essentially. Uh and but she is she's got this like rock star energy um but she's like as giddy and as excited to share everything with you as you are to hear it which is it's just so fun to it's have contagious. her around. and yeah. it's great to have those people on set like it's contagious and the ideas just flow and the best yeah. ideas make it to the surface yeah it's it's super natural her ability uh so it's amazing to just be around that Maybe pass on this next one from uh, Jack. If Basilisk Venom is able to kill Horcruxes, how come in Chamber of Secrets, when the Basilisk uh, Fang went into Harry, the Horcrux in him wasn't destroyed? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, because it, it wasn't attached to the Basilisk. Oh, that's the thing. So the Fang can go in, but the Basilisk Venom... It didn't have enough Venom to... pumping in it. So it didn't kill the horse. It's kind of like breaking off the tip of a spear. Well, shit, he could have answered that on his own, I think. Schmeckle. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, we really love you. Um, it's a term of endearment. Yeah, it's a term of endearment. Um, I did ask uh, a, a, a Hollywood A-lister to say, give a shout-out to you Geekscapers once on a red carpet, and... I said, hey, like anything you want to tell, call, tell the Geekscapist? He goes, yeah, geek is a derogatory term, and I really don't like labeling people. And I don't know. He, really? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even run it. Come I was on, like, man. Congrats, queen of the universe. Get the fuck out. What the fuck? <laughs> I was so put off. Uh, geeks yeah. are tormented uh, over the years yeah. for biting chickens' heads off. You're part of the problem. And, uh, <laughs> and I won't reveal who it was. Chickens are people, too. But let's just say that their video game movies sucked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Chances are, if they were in a video game movie, it was bad. But you know, video game movies have gotten better. Um, they were not in one of them. Uh, Dan, it's fucking fun having you on the show, dude. Wow, yeah, man. You can. They, they gave me the, the. They opened the door and they were like, "Hey, can you 
wrap it up. And I'm like, we could actually be here for a few hours. <laughs> yeah. just um, Geekscape is the main thing here is to go pick up Brooklyn Gladiator at your local yeah. comic store or order it on Amazon. Dan Fogler 40 Experience Podcast. If you want to fucking come on my show, That'd man. be fun. Yeah. Now, what is that? That's oh, my God. podcast, oh, but, Like, the 40 thing, is it a weed thing? <laughs> is it like a 420... <laughs> Yes, no. I mean, it is, but we make so, it that because I'm straight edge. You don't have to do weed, man. Forty, it's it's its own drug. It's its, it's own, own addiction. Drug. It's life. Three D, four D. Oh, I think four zero. Like we fucking drink a bunch of forties. No, like, no, no. Act like assholes. <laughs> yeah, forty triple X, man. You suited in getting into podcast. How many shitty podcasts there are because the people are like, yo, it'd just be a podcast where we fucking hang out and get drunk. And, <laughs> and like five, five minutes in, it's unlistenable. Right. And it's just like, well, why that's, am I it's hard with shit? drinking because that makes you slur. But weed really uh, actually uh, pumps up the uh, creative the, muscles. <laughs> you were talking about the Wigan and the Yang. I was like, yeah, we know what kind of book this is, pal. Yeah, we oh, know what God. you're talking about. <laughs> Check out Don Peyote, by the way. Uh, and that's a movie that you... That, that I directed. It's out there. It's we got to see it. Yeah. Uh, I don't hate that stuff. I like that stuff. I just don't partake in that no, stuff. No, that's fine. Yeah. No, your you're, you're, uh, drug of choice is pop culture. My drug of choice, yeah. Dude, that's not even the end of it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 40, 40X is... Um, it's like 3D. Mm-hmm. 4D is the, the chairs move. You get wind. That's how I saw Boyhood. Smoke. You saw Boyhood? No, I'm just kidding. Why would would they show Boyhood in 40 Right, exactly. Uh, Yeah, I saw three billboards. It was incredible. There wasn't a lot of movement in the seats. I like to see the shape of water. They dumped a bucket on my head. (laughs) Exactly. That's all they did. It was just fucking soaked at the end. And everything tasted like eggs. (laughs) No, um... Um, yeah, no, it's like, do you watch Star Wars or something? Or, uh, yeah. you know, like, Ready Player One was, like, yeah. made for it. But your podcast... My podcast, basically, we talk about movies. Yeah. But um, I am very excited about 40X movies. Like, we will usually go to see a 40X, but we do talk about all movies. We gotta do it. They have one at the, the um, in Burbank, they got that 40X. But yeah, LA Live. Where do you, when do you record? When, where do you record? I usually record in New York, but we go we record anywhere. All right. Well, next uh, time you're in LA, well, we're going to do this. Yeah, you can call in New York, too, dude. Do that. Do the Skype. Do whatever we do. Yeah. Okay, we're doing this, Dan. Sweet. Um, Geekscapist, if you want more, Dan, I've told you a million times what you're going to do. You're going to go pick up Brooklyn Gladiator. And I hope I got to all of your questions because you guys are hilarious. Uh, dude, love having you on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, Geekscape is, if this is your first Geekscape, subscribe not just to my podcast, subscribe to Dan's podcast. Nice. <laughs> and um, we'll just uh, keep going. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and Dan is obviously on all those social medias. You got What's your Twitter? Uh, at Mr. Dan Fogler, uh, at Dan Fogler on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, just um, you know, tweet at me. I'll get back to you. <laughs> Cool. Love having you on the show. Geekscape. Geekscape. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.